Welcome to TSCRA Talk, a podcast by Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. I'm your host, Kristen Brown. Today, we have three guests with us from the TSCRA Austin office to give us insight into a very timely topic, COVID-19. They're going to talk through resources that are available, as well as industry work that they continue to do on behalf of cattlemen and landowners. Joining us are Caleb McLaurin, Executive Director of Government and Public Affairs, Jeremy Fox, Director of Public Affairs, and Peyton Schumann, Director of Government Affairs. Over the last few weeks, we've heard about several different tools that producers can use to stay afloat while we get through these trying times. I know TSCRA's government relations team has been working diligently on this. Now, walk us through these things that y'all have done. Well, sure. And, and I'll maybe preface this by saying, you know, our office serves as a liaison between the cattle industry and government officials. And so we advocate for cattle producers and try to project the voice of our members and that's critically important in times like these when government's making monumental decisions that have enormous impact on our livelihoods. And quite frankly, they're doing that on a daily basis. And so if I look at our response and some of the things that we've been working on over the past couple of months, I think uh, we've taken a very phased approach to this. And phase one was very much focused on the state level, trying to stay in constant communication with our state officials, especially the governor's office, as, as we try to ensure that producers can continue raising and marketing cattle during this crisis. And that communication had resulted in livestock owners being listed as an essential employee and making sure that they also have the credentials they need from the state to continue conducting business. We also worked to make sure our local livestock markets and feed stores weren't forced to close as part of these shelter-in-place orders and executive orders issued by the governor. You know, that's one thing that might not be cattle producer-specific, but we have to make sure we can go and get feed and medications and warmers for our animals. Then we also have to make sure that we have the facilities to market our animals and have price discovery. And so that's what we really focus our efforts on the first couple of days. And after which we kind of moved into what I consider phase two, which was focused more on Washington, D.C. As we work closely with our elected officials in Congress and regulatory officials on financial relief for farmers and ranchers. Thus far, producers have access to low interest and forgivable loans at the Small Business Administration. That's something new that we have not had access to before. And we're expecting direct assistance for financial damages incurred, and that will soon be available through USDA. And then I guess kind of the third phase that we're still working on, obviously, and this will be a more long-term is we're focused on the financial sustainability of the cattle industry. And that includes keeping packers running so we have somewhere to send our cattle, but also taking a hard look at problems within the beef supply chain that have resulted in disparaging cattle prices, which we've witnessed recently, and uh, the disconnect between those cattle prices and the price of beef on the shelf. And I anticipate that our listeners are interested in how they take advantage of some of these things. So let's dive in and talk specifics. Jeremy, I know you've been talking a lot about these loans in your weekly blog posts and other communications. So let's start there. 
<laughs> Sounds good. Thank you, Kristen, for uh, having us. And I'm glad to be able to get some of this information out to our members a little further. You know, during normal times, this really isn't my main area of work on the market issue type things. But really, it's just all hands on deck right now. And uh, given everything that's going on, and one of the things that I find myself working on a lot are the loan options. That's particularly true with some of the small business administration loans that are available to agriculture producers for the first time. And there's a couple options I'm going to talk about here, but as long as you have fewer than 500 employees, which I suspect most of the people listening to this do, you will be eligible for both of the programs that I'm going to mention here. So the first one is the Paycheck Protection Program, or the PPP, uh, that it's called. And that will cover a month and a half of payroll expenses with a low-interest forgivable loan. Now, if you spend all of that money in eight weeks, they'll forgive the loan or whatever you've spent. But you do have to pay back the unspent money. Now, because you have to spend a month and a half worth of payroll in eight weeks, you really only have to apply 75% of the loan to the payroll and the other 25% can go to operational expenses. Unfortunately, that program had run out of money a couple of weeks ago, but thanks to a new appropriation from Congress, it's now back up and running, at least as we record this. And one other thing I need to mention here too is Remember, even if you don't have employees, you are actually your own employee. So you might still be eligible for this PPP loan. This loan is kind of unique. You don't actually go through the government to get it. You go through your own lender. And so if you're looking for more information on this, I would recommend you go visit with your accountant, your lender, and you can also go to S. EA.gov, and you'll find a lot more information there about the specifics of the program. And not every lender is a participant, so you can also find a list of the participating lenders on their website as well. And now the other program, you know, we know that PPP isn't going to be a good fit for everybody. And so the SBA also has the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, or the EIDL program. Now, EIDL is a little bit different. It gives you a $10,000 forgivable advance to cover operational costs. Again, as long as you spend that money, it's uh, forgiven. Now, like PPP, the EIDL program also ran out of money. But even though it has new appropriations, they're working through a backlog of applications right now before they accept new applications. Once it becomes available again, uh, you can go directly through the SBA website to apply to that program. And it's also really important to note that the, the situation with these things is changing really quickly. By the time this airs and you hear it, things might have changed. And so if you're interested in any of these programs, I would really strongly suggest that you keep a a close eye on the SBA website, check it regularly, daily, keep an eye on our daily updates on our website under the COVID-19 response page, and also on the blog that I put out every Friday. Because a lot of these things can go kind of quickly, so you don't want to don't want to miss out if it's something you're you're interested in. And really one last thing that I want to hit, it's not so much a 
a loan program or an assistance program, but a little bit closer to my normal job responsibilities as a policy communications guy. We've heard a lot going around lately about plant closures. There are a lot of crazy rumors that were being perpetuated by some of the more radical groups out there, but I want to reassure everybody, don't worry. No one is going to be asking you to euthanize your cattle. The supply chain is still moving, albeit a little bit slower. So that means you might have to uh, keep your cattle in the pasture a little longer. But really, a lot of the crazy rumors that are out there are, are completely unfounded. And so always feel free to contact us, keep up with us on social media and uh, on our daily updates and our blogs uh, to make sure you're getting as accurate information as we can possibly provide you. Now, along those lines, if you are having trouble because you can't find a plant to send your cattle to, uh, USDA APHIS is in the process of setting up an operations center to help connect people with the plants that are taking cattle. So it might not be the one you normally use, but it might be the one down the road. And so we'll have more details on that as uh, uh, they become available. So thank you. I think that's all I have, unless you have any questions, Kristen. Those sound like great options, and that's great information, especially with all that is shared online, um, how quickly misinformation can get spread. So it's very important, I think, for our listeners to always remember to loop back to TSCRA, connect back with the association for accurate, verified information. Now, what about the money that was appropriated through the CARES Act for USDA? Peyton, can you give us an insight on this? Yeah, sure. You know, we were very lucky, you know, as soon as, um, you know, we started seeing this pandemic kind of take a hold. Luckily, in early April, we saw that Congress, when they passed that CARES Act that, you know, everybody seems to be talking about, um, they included $9.5 billion in that, that uh, for certain ag commodities. And that's going to include cattle, which, you know, was just, it's been a really great thing for us to hear, especially for our members to know that, you know, Congress and uh, is looking out, out for them. And, um, you know, these funds, what, what happened in the CARES Act is they, uh, they sent this money to the USDA. And what's going to happen is the USDA is going to be the ones to deliver this money. And uh, when those funds went to the USDA, that money was actually combined with existing dollars in the agency. And uh, with this, now they've created, you might have heard, um, they've kind of switched what they're calling this now. and It's been created as the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. And um, out of this money, we're going to see beef cattle getting $5.1 billion. Again, though, you know, what we're really seeing and, and, you know, I'm dealing with personally, and I know that Caleb and Jeremy are as well, and as a lot of people have questions out there on, you know, how do you take all of that money, and then an even bigger task is, you know, how do you split that money between, you know, different agriculture commodities? Because we, as, as we all know, even in the cattle industry, our livestock industry, you know, that can, that's, that can equate to so many different avenues that we've really been trying to figure out how they're, they're going to be splitting this money up. We would really highly recommend, you know, going and, and checking in with your local USDA FSA office and talking with them about the uh, kind of the next steps and to hopefully get some, get some good information from them and to hopefully get on, get on a list. The study that was released 
I think it was like April 14, it's estimating that cattle industry losses as a result of this COVID-19 pandemic will reach $13.6 billion. And so cow, and they're saying that cow-calf producers are going to see the largest impact of this with COVID-19 related losses totaling an estimated $8.7 billion. Um, now with this study that's come out, there's some charts and figures in there and we're you know, we've been pushing, we're hoping that the USDA uses some of these numbers when they are deciding how much money gets allocated to cow-calf producers. Because, you know, as our members and as, you know, really great uh, backbone of this country and our, our food supply, we understand that, you know, we need to be taken care of. And, you know, like I said, though, unfortunately, you know, right now they, they are still f- uh, finalizing the rules um, that's going to be determining how this money is going to be kind of divided up and distributed. We're hoping that there's going to be more to report in the next week or so. You know, kind of like Jeremy said, literally, it seems like things are moving so fast that we hear something new every day. But right now, you know, we're start, we're hoping that um, this program can start opening up to applicants by mid-May. And, you know, like, uh, you know, as, as we're saying, with all this money moving around, as things are getting finalized, issues will arise and they have been arising and you know we're doing everything um, that we can and we're addressing each one of these as best as we can uh, so that this program will turn out to be the best it can be for cattle producers out there. I mean you know kind of just one last thing that is optimistic we haven't gotten it you know in writing just yet but we have also heard that there might be some additional funding coming from Congress um, you know, it's very early in the process, as you know, I'm sure you've seen on the news. It seems like every day they're talking about a new program or a new um, phase of a stimulus package or something. So, you know, again, we're just really trying to kind of hold on and, and every day checking on that to make sure that we're going to be able to give our members and cattle producers uh, at large, you know, just as much help as possible on this. Well, thanks, Peyton. That is, again, all very, very good information. Caleb, you mentioned earlier about some regulatory relief and also some long-term discussions that are happening. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. On the regulatory side, if you look at the transportation front, the Federal Motors Care Safety Administration has exempted truck drivers from truck inspections, license renewals, hours of service restrictions, if they are transporting essential goods. And additionally, at the state level, you have truck registrations and oversized permits are not currently required for COVID-19 response items. These are all incredibly important moving forward. Obviously, you have concerns of people that have overweight permits that wouldn't be able to get those or wouldn't be able to get their, their license renewed because some of those transportation offices are closed, but also on the hours of service. Uh, Jeremy kind of alluded to this earlier, but we've had some cases, a few reports where you had livestock callers en route to a packing house that then shuts down because of the coronavirus. And then all of a sudden they're having to redirect to a different plant somewhere. And in that course, they may be going further than they anticipated and may be in violation of those original hours of service regulations. And obviously, we can't pull over on the side of the road and let cattle sit there in a trailer wherever they may be for hours upon end so that we can be in accordance with those regulations. And so being able to lift those right now is, is incredibly critical. 
and important when you look at the ability of our industry to continue operating. And then I guess beyond some of the regulatory efforts, when you look ahead, we have some serious market concerns that must be addressed. I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I think the issue is very, very simple. And everybody gets it, understands it, knows it by heart. And it's that beef prices are high, cattle prices are low, and everyone is frustrated by how wide the meat packer margins are and how those margins grow, it seems, during times of crisis especially. So the factors that cause this are much more complicated and we're committed to working on these and are currently taking a look and working on several different fronts to ensure that no stone is left unturned. On the, I guess first and foremost, we were pleased after working with USDA to hear their announcement that they are expanding an ongoing investigation into the meat packers. It started in response to the fire at the Holcomb plant, Holcomb Tyson plant. And, and now they're expanding that to include data collected as part of this COVID-19 response. And we don't know if there's anything going on there, if that investigation will find anything, but what we do want is to make sure that no price gouging or racketeering or anything like that is happening and that we protect cattle producers that have been subject to these disparaging cattle prompt markets. And so that's part of it. But then secondly, we've also got to address some issues we're seeing at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange uh, with trading practices. The packers, we know, are taking full advantage of the cattle market's volatility, and they're procuring more and more cattle on futures contracts. And they seem to be doing those, of course, during those valleys that we see in those wide market swings. And we get that. They're taking full advantage of that. However, that has a trickle-down effect to all of us. That has a drastic impact on what the cash value of cattle are. And so that's something that a lot of people are really struggling with and can, we know contributes to some of those wide margins that we're seeing at this particular time. And so we need to get to the root of what's causing that market volatility. And we think that it could be due to some issues around high frequency trading. We've even got speculators and investors that are jumping between financial markets. As soon as the COVID-19 pandemic kind of raised its head, uh, you had a lot of folks jumping out of you know, the New York Stock Exchange and jumping over into futures commodity markets and doing some different stuff like that. And we've seen the impacts of some of that already, as y'all saw the, the oil futures were trading in negative numbers just a week or so ago. And so that's caused some issues with some of that movement. But we're also concerned with some potential market manipulation. And, and that can come in the form of, and come in a couple of different forms. But currently, the CME has a two and a half hour window before the market opens which isn't really regulated, that contracts are being bought and sold and orders being made. And there's just some odd, suspicious looking activity going on in that two and a half hour window. And some people might say, okay, well, does that really have a huge impact? Well, it does. Because as I mentioned, you have folks that are doing this high frequency trading and they're using computer algorithms to trade you know, within a nanosecond. 
And those algorithms, a lot of times are up and operational in that two and a half hours, which means they're picking up a lot of that activity. And then whenever the market's open, they're taking off with it. And we're, we're not real sure what's going on there. We need to investigate that. And, and we do know that that we think is um, contributing to a lot of that volatility, which, the, you know, as I mentioned, some of the packers are taking advantage of to procure cattle. And so in order to do those things, TSRA has a working group set specifically to look at all of these problems. And the, the goal is to develop meaningful solutions that will hopefully calm that market volatility cattle producers have been fighting for the past few years. And so obviously this is an ongoing effort and it's a very far looking effort. However, we hope to get some good information out soon. I know those people have already been in multiple conversations with the CME and, uh, and that's something that we're looking for on moving forward as we look at the sustainability of our industry. Well, again, this is fantastic information. And I think this addresses a lot of the questions that a lot of people have right now. And I know there's still going to be a lot that comes out. A lot of this is moving. How, remind us, how do our listeners stay up to date on all of this? I know Jeremy talked about it, but give us a refresher on the best way to stay up to date. Sure. You can always go to the TSRA website and we have a tab there for coronavirus response, which has some information there. And we're doing the best job we can as fast as things are moving to keep the TSRA communications team apprised of what's going on. And so we know there's things going on with the magazine and different things. But as we mentioned, this is all happening at a very, very, very rapid pace. We've got bills that are being enacted and signed into law on Saturdays and Sundays and that we didn't know about, you know, the previous Wednesday. And so with everything happening so rapidly, I know Jeremy, as he mentioned, will continue to provide some very inclusive updates. It kind of includes everything that, that all the information we have on hand and that's coming from our Austin office uh, each Friday. And so you can look for our view from Austin blog. For that information, but also if you get those daily update emails from the Cattleman Magazine, obviously as things happen, we're trying to get that information in that source as well. Wonderful. Well, thank y'all so much for the work that you do on behalf of cattlemen and landowners. And as always, to our listeners, to learn more about TSCRA, visit tscra.org. 